I realize your guys' show is for the lore, which seems like it actually for the lore, and it almost <laughs> works. <laughs> You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. for the Lord. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, the 20th of August. And filling in for Vince this week is the man himself, the almighty Hooks. And so, of course, Joe's with us as well. So how are you boys doing tonight? Fantastic. Hooks. I'm getting drunk. I'm getting drunk. You're getting there or you're already there? No, I'm getting there. Okay, that's good. So then we have a few moments of sanity before the podcast ends. That's always a good thing. <laughs> Moderately. Uh, one of the big things to hit last week was the Mr. Pandaria trailer that came out. Now, everybody was, of course, waiting for it, especially after they announced that the um, patch 5.04, is it? Or point, oh, point 5.04. 5.04. Yeah, is coming out on the 28th. Coincidentally, the same day that Guild Wars 2 comes out. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that's going to be coming out on the 28th. Now, we're going to be able to, apparently, regardless of... Whether you own the expansions or not, you're going to be able to create a character of any race, which means including the Pandaren. The only ones you're not going to be able to do until you've actually put in your key is going to be the, the monks. But other than that, you can actually create friggin' panda whatever's you want. Um, but talking about the trailer itself, though, it was funny listening to the Hoopla online about it because the majority of the people that I read loved it, really loved it, and had a feel for what pandas were going to be in this expansion. But then you have the few that are still not happy about the panda, not taking them seriously, and so we're not happy at all about the lighthearted approach that you get throughout the trailer, though, especially when you have the Horde and the Alliance working together at one point to fight against the panda. Personally, I absolutely loved it, and I assume, Joe, you did as well. Oh, absolutely. I loved it for a couple different reasons. One, it was a great showing for Chen Stormstout, Two, it was a bit of nostalgia because the orc and the sailor were from the orc and sailor of the cover of Warcraft 2, which I thought was an yep. interesting little uh, tidbit there. Uh, and also they used in-game locations, like locations you can actually go and visit. And not only that, but that cinematic, the events of the cinematic translate to an in-game achievement at the release of Mists. Like you can go and ring the bell that, you know, the, the orc gets, I think it was the orc, gets yeah, knocked the, into. Yeah. You can go and straighten the uh, the the little pseudo hammer that uh, a creature mount that uh, <laughs> that got there. And there's a, there's an achievement for doing all of it. It's like walking in like stem uh, Chem Storm Shouts um, shadow, which I thought was absolutely hysterical. Uh, so I mean, it was and it was really well done, really well executed. Uh, probably one of the better cinematics that they've had for a while, and I think it's been the one that I've liked the most since the Burning Crusade one. Who's did you see? It? I actually did see it, and 
Yeah, pandas. I get the panda thing, but I'm not going back to that game. (laughs) (laughs) It was hard enough to get away from it. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) No, it was. Well, I don't want to go into history. We'll keep on the topic. I did see the trailer, and yeah, you get. I got that wee nostalgia feeling of like, oh wow, you know, all that, you know, fighting, getting all this gear. Then I really remembered then. Oh great! Any purples that I've got? Yeah, a couple levels later, they're going to get. Replace speed greens. Oh yeah, it's like, it's like nah, I'm, I'm not doing that for a laugh. <laughs> it's uh, you know what is funny because I talk to a lot of people. Well, Joe's hardcore raider as well, but I just don't believe in playing the game for gear. I'll, I'll do some stuff for gear, of course, because you have to, but not to the extent of uh, some of the other people. Like some of the people mm-hmm. that I've been in guilds with, my God, they're still doing hardcore raiding, and I'm laughing because I'm saying in a matter of weeks you'll be sporting greens just like me. So the only use they are is transmog at this point because you're going to be wearing greens and the greens are going to look better as well because they've yeah. got the newer textures. Because for me, when I first played it, it was basically like, this is something new, this is something fun. But then you get to the point where it becomes a job. Oh, I've got to go and do this to get this, to get prepared for a guild raid. And it doesn't take the fun out of the game. So I'm glad I left it. I don't miss it, but now that the patch is coming on, that that little feeling like, oh, I might read something common sense when I use it. Well, really. there are some <laughs> new quests too that are still fun, and and, that, and that's the thing that like if, with most MMOs, I do try to play them where I'm wherein I'm playing the game as if it was an RPG only with other people, and I'm not doing most of the profession stuff and most of the grinding for gear and all that, and that way. I do enjoy it more. It, it doesn't become a job. Now, that's not taken away from hardcore raiders. More power to them. And they are experiencing a lot of content that I can't. But when you're looking at Miss, even in terms of picking it up as a game to play, um, to just to experience those quests, those brand new quests, the brand new zones and all that, like the stuff that I've been doing in beta, I... I'm I'm actually holding back doing a lot of things just because I want it to be some of it to be fresh and new and fun once it launches. I don't know if you're doing the same, Joe, or if you're just plowing through as much as you can in the beta. No, no, I find myself actually kind of holding back a little bit. Like I I level myself up enough that I can test my ability, so I can still write for you know my WoW Insider articles. But other than that, like I'm not doing the LFR, I'm not doing the raid zones, uh, a lot of the questing I'm skipping over. So I mean, like I'm I'm trying to hold back because I want that new car smell on it when it comes out. Yeah, which is damn soon. So, and just as a little plug here, um, I I think I'd mentioned it before. I'm not sure on the podcast, but I'm going to be starting up. I actually started the guild already, but we're starting up a monk only horde side guild for uh, once Miss lands, and it's going to be on Feathermoon, and it is strictly. RP. So if you want to go in and just shoot the breeze about what you watched on TV yesterday, this is not the guild for you. But if you want a really immersive guild that's going to have events that are based on this temple where the monks are, it should be a ton of fun. I've been working on setting up the sites. I'm going to be getting all the writing for the lore set up prior to the game coming out. And uh, so anybody interested, as it comes closer to launch, I will be giving more information for anybody who's interested. Joe's going to be popping on here and there because he's going to try to get a monk leveled up there. But uh, but I will definitely be on there. My son, we're starting the guild up. So very much looking forward to, to Miss coming out. 
Okay, let's move away though from WoW now and touch about uh, touch on a little bit of news that came out. We got a crap load of news, as a matter of fact, for Gamescom. Uh, it ran for quite a while there. There was quite a bit of news that came out last week, and we're just going to touch on some of the stuff that we found the most interesting. Um, we'll touch on Ubisoft in a moment, but looking at Sony, you could tell that they learned from E3 because oh, yeah. immediately they were talking about the Vita. And how many games are going to be coming out about the new firmware that's going to allow you to play the PS1 classics, about the screenshot capture, which that in and of itself is freaking awesome, uh, the cross-console control, which is going to allow you to play some of the games on the Vita, but uh, on the PS3, but using the Vita as a controller. And then additional home screen options and things like that. Um, And then that's not even talking about the different games that are coming out for it as well. So I having a Vita now was very interested in this and, and I'm glad that they jumped on that news immediately to just to reassure people, listen, yeah, there's a crap load of stuff coming, don't worry. Uh still ain't buying one yet. Again, I it's one of those things where I would not have, but it was a Father's Day gift, so now that I have it, I'm all for it. Let's see what we can get going. Um they showed off the the stuff with Lil Big Planet that's going to be on the Vita as well, which looks awesome, of course. They showed off the new Media Molecule game that's going to be coming out for the Vita as well, Tearaway, which I don't know. It was, I don't know if they can... Lightning can hit twice in terms of cutesy games like that. Maybe it can. I, I Honestly, I don't know. But it, it looked like an interesting little kind of platformer, little big planet ripoff kind of thing. So it'll be cool to see what comes of that. Uh, in terms of uh, the the first person shooters, of course, they made a big deal with the Call of Duty Black Ops Declassified, which is coming to the Vita, which just, of course justifiably looked kind of cool, actually. Um, for the PS3, though, some of the the cool stuff that Rain game from Studio oh, yes. Japan, God mm-hmm. damn, that looked awesome. That is one thing that I did check, and for me, I've got a bit of hang like you know. Like different planes of existence within kind of Earth or stuff games, just a wee bit. And for the way it did it, it's like, oh, you can't kind of see this boy has just started to disappear, and you can only see him when it rains. And I thought it was a good idea. And you've seen in the video that there's some sort of dog kind of creature. I mean, I'll be looking out for that. Shame it's not coming out in the Xbox, but that is definitely a game that I hope to Christ it doesn't turn into an Amy game. I actually I think that'll be all right. I of course I I liked a lot of the Studio Japan games that have come out, like Gravity Rush on the Vita Studio. Oh, Japan. Gravity Rush was and apparently amazing. My God, it's a fantastic game, and I like that Miyazaki style as well, kind of thing. So, and this the concept of it, where you're this this kid who is invisible, and so when you're out in the rain and you see the rain that pours and drips off of your body and so you see the silhouette depending on where you are it's a fantastic concept uh and so it should be really cool and and again a lot of those games too they do have a very immersive story as well so again i i'm really looking forward to it uh what else did we get we got another trailer for the last of us which i'm still really looking forward to i I am really looking forward to that i really really am yeah. Well, you sound surprised. I, 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 the well, only, no, Vince was the one that didn't want to play it. I'm God, I can't but, wait to play it. Because when, when you get closer to a game like that, you kind of, I don't want to say you sort of expect a failure of some sort, 
but for lack of a better term, like you're expecting like the other shoe to drop. Like it looked too good to be true. It looked like it was going to be this amazing, you know, immersive story that was just going to kind of fall short, like it, that I had the fear that it was going to fall short. But the more I see about it, the more I see from it, the, the less that fear gets and the more excited I become. Then I'm really, really happy about that. And if I'm a little bit excited about it or surprised about it, I might be, but it's, I think it's, I think in the end it, it's just because it's that fear is slowly going away and I'm not used to that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It does look fantastic. Um, we also got the premiere trailer for until dawn, which is a PS move horror game. That's going to be coming out for the PS three. That one though. I mean, it may very well be something that's great, but again, we've seen that going through the woods with a flashlight thing now again, and I'm going to find it hard to believe that somebody's going to do it better than Alan Wake as of late. And so, and it's that campy kind of kids in a cabin kind of thing. It's Friday the 13th. So it's kind of like, I don't know how much I'll care, but it might very well be fantastic, but I don't know. I, I wasn't that interested. I was moderately interested because I like horror games. I like horror games a lot. I like it, more original horror games. But maybe that's, that's why. exactly it. But that's exactly it. Like, I prefer some form of originality. And this one just seems like too much of an amalgamation right now, at least, of the other ones that have come before, like Alan Wake. Uh, it's even got some stuff in there that is very much reminiscent of Silent Hill. Yeah. And it's it's not quite doing it for me. So, And then we also got um, the announcement of the Puppeteer game, which looks like a fairly intuitive platformer that's going to be a little original depending on what the story is behind it i'm interested enough to pick it up and play it give it a maybe yeah uh what else do we get we and we're not talking about sony but there was some um, ubisoft news we got some information from them uh they were talking about uh, how rayman legends is going to be actually a wii u exclusive which I thought was interesting because normally their games are cross-platform, So, but then they're putting so much into the Wii U version that it's not really that surprising. It's going to tank. Really? <laughs> Come I'm on. I'm just saying it for the Alex. I, I, I didn't look at anything. Although i got to say, but the Wii U, I'm interested in the, the hardware design. Okay. Um, some more information about Zombie U, which again, that's for me the same thing as what you're saying about The Last of Us. The more I'm hearing about it, the more I'm kind of excited about it. I it's I'm really looking forward to playing it on the Wii U and having that screen in front and the tactile experience that it's going to produce. I'm I'm still really looking forward to that. Um, what else did you guys find going on that you were excited about? Wildstar. Well, Wild, Wildstar yeah. had a huge Gamescom presence. I don't know if you caught any of that. I didn't get to all of it, so go ahead and tell me what you found. Well, no, I mean, I thought it was kind of interesting because they actually did, like, a developer walkthrough of the game. Like, they actually went through and said, hey, this is what we have. This is what's going on. You know, here's how the game's looking and actually showing, like, real in-game footage now. And we've seen a lot of it. Um, you know, from like the videos and stuff, but actually getting a chance to see the interface, getting a chance to see uh, how everything looks and how it plays out. Like, it just looks super damn awesome. Like, the interface is cool and intuitive. The graphics look absolutely wonderful for that particular style. And you got to run around as one of the bunny girls, yeah. um, which was kind of cool. Now, bunny girls. Bunny girls, yes, there are bunny girls. <laughs> bunny women. 
<laughs> Don't be insulting <laughs> to the bunnies. People thought I was weird. <laughs> but it, the cool thing was, is when they did it, is they did it outside of the confines of a normal character because they enabled essentially like the god mode. You could swim through the air and no clipping. So you got to see, you know, the cool particle effects of the planet. And you got to see a lot of the cool races and things like that. And it was just really, really interesting. And it's a game that we've, we've talked about a little bit. And I know Roger was excited to... Uh, to kind of get into i'm super excited to get into it i'm just really really hoping that it's not going to be another pay-per-month subscription model that's going to fail i want it to be i want it to come out of the gate free to play with its little microtransactions and i'll be a happy camper i'm actually i'd say i've been following them on their their wildstar wednesdays that they've been putting out different information and stuff like that so it's a game that i have actually been following pretty closely and i i've been really enjoying their their lower pieces that they've been putting out about whether it's the worlds or the different factions or different things like that um it's <laughs> it's a game that if because right now i've been playing while, of course, I've been playing with my son again, I'm still playing the Old Republic, albeit not quite as much now. And then Guild Wars is literally in a couple of weeks. But if anything would make me stop playing the Old Republic, right now it would be Wildstar. It's, I'm that excited for it. So It just looks good. Yeah. Hoogs, what else did you see that you're excited about? Um, nothing. Because there's nothing there. There's, no, there's only one game this year. That I'm excited for, that I've got any passion for, is Assassin's Creed 3. Right. I, I want to see how that goes. And, and if they bring it out and it's good, don't make two more copies that are basically the same. <laughs> Just keep it at free. That's not going to happen. You're, uh, you're, you're telling them not to make money. Bring out a successful game, but then don't make money after that. That's don't, basically... <laughs> don't cheapen the, the, the experience, you know. So you're and saying you believe that all of the sequels to Assassin's Creed actually cheapen the experience? In the sense, like, we, like Brotherhood and Revelations, I think they could have split that onto two discs, right? And just sell it like that. But yeah, I, I, you know, I can kind of see that. I can kind of see his argument on that one. As good as the games were, they, they could have definitely uh, done a two-disc a two split and had some of the... And same result on that particular one. I can see that point. But again, it's basically they're they're trying to push out as much as they can in order to make money. So as long as you still feel that the games were worth what you paid for them, then it's not bad. I paid next to nothing because I got them on Steam sales. So I'm all right with it. Okay, you. <laughs> so there's nothing that came out that you're excited for then? No, I was too busy putting my time in a, a certain game that we might discuss later on. That we will, that we will. Okay, Joe, you also were looking at this Uncharted Waters online game. Yeah, it was just one of those interesting things because it's um, it, it started out and I originally was watching the channel like, oh, it's going to be like a pirate RPG. And I thought that was kind of cool. And then it started getting even further into it. And it was like, oh, it's got time travel. Oh, that's kind of awesome. And it just looks really, really nifty. And it's not like a, a an all-too-original concept, let's let's face it. I yeah. mean, barely anything is at this point. But it was just kind of cool the way they executed. The graphics look absolutely amazing. It looks like it's got that JRPG thing going on. Um, but it just looks really, really, really cool. Um, it's got a lot of historical plot um, and detailed settings that kind of set it aside from a lot of the other games that kind of come out as rank and file. And it just looks really really damn cool um 
some other information about it. Players get to choose from six nationalities, uh, which is England, Dutch Republic, Ancient Regime in France, the Spanish Empire, the Kingdom of Portugal, and the Republic of Venice. Um, and after uh, you select a basic class, which you get like just a regular, like a framework class, you get to pick specialties, like professions, jobs. So it's like kind of combining the cool elements of like Final Fantasy with, you know, a game that might not suck. So I thought it was actually really, really cool. And there's been a whole series of these videos being released on uh, Machinima, actually. So there's like all different things like between character creation and questing um, and just world exploration. It just looks really damn cool. Okay. You were also talking about Remember Me as well. Well, this one is more because it, it's interesting to me that Capcom, uh, a, a studio that is so well known for you know certain things like Mega Man uh, and Street Fighter and games that you wouldn't really like associate with like franchise founding sort of like will sustain us into the future, they're throwing their their hats into the ring with this brand new one called Remember Me. Uh, and they want it to be the next major franchise. They have every intention of making it a franchise, but they want it to be the big one. Um, and I haven't really been able to find a whole ton about it, um, but they've been releasing, like, footage and so much not information about how the game plays. It looks pretty. It looks damn new, pre damn pretty for a shiny new new game. But it's a brand new, untested IP with very sci-fi elements to it. Um, it looks like sort of like the, the neo-apocalypse sci-fi future-ish type stuff that a lot of people seem to be into right now with elements of some minor fantasy thrown in. So I don't know what it's going to do or how it's going to do it, but it's definitely something to watch, especially with Capcom investing so much of themselves into it already. It's either going to be a colossal success or a horrible failure. See, I was hoping that you'd have more information because... I was reading the there's show notes, not, and then I looked, and I went, I don't see anything here. What the? Where's the information? The thing. There's, there's, like, there's none. It's all, it's all, like, promo videos right now. Like, it's all, like, look at this video. It's awesome. Look at this gameplay. It's awesome. But there's nothing else really about it. So it's all, like, minor stuff right now, which seems really weird to me, especially when they're making that claim that they want it to be the new IP. And trust me, I scoured. I scoured the Internet for information on this, and I'm just not seeing it. I'm hoping more stuff will pop up in the weeks to come especially because this was based off of a Gamescom interview. So, well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay. I, ha I have some information for you, Joe. Uh-oh. Okay. They'll, if, if Capcom is putting a lot of money, money in it, you can guarantee they'll be releasing DLC for clothing <laughs> and color and different stuff. Just saying. I'm and okay that, with that, though. That was news? That was <laughs> it was artist, sarcastic kind of news. But yeah. <laughs> All right, moving away from new games, let's talk some more about retro games because we talked about that a little bit last week and then we were saying that we were going to cover some of that this week because Joe wanted to talk about his love of retro games and what it means now because we're seeing a slew of different retro games coming out, especially with the tablets now. It, we're seeing the obvious ports that are being released constantly for retro games on those. But we are also seeing them like the Final Fantasy VII that just came out that got the nice little buff on it, which actually does look quite a bit better, let's be honest, oh, yeah. um, for PC. So, Joe, go ahead. Well, it, it was one of those things that I've been thinking about and, been, and 
talking about with a lot of my friends, and it's how all these retro games are starting to make like this huge comeback in kind of a big, meaningful way. And we always have those games that we play growing up that we kind of continue to play even after we grew up, but now they're starting to get re-released. And the perfect example of that really is Baldur's Gate. It's one of the games that is heralded as like paving the way for RPGs, and now it's getting a massive facelift, new game content, and being released on a new engine platform, essentially, in this case, iOS and Android tablets, as well as being redone for the PC. So it's kind of a big thing. So we started talking about it, and it was like all these other games that we grew up with that we've started to see come back more. Um, Castlevania is a really good example of that as well. Castlevania has been a game that's gone through so many different facings, so many different you know evolutions, until it's finally gotten to the Lord of Shadow series, which I think we can all agree is a damn good game series. It's a really well done game series, which takes that similar nostalgia from our youth and does it in such an amazing way, bringing it back to like modern day consoles and modern day gameplay. So we started hearing a lot of news about other things as well, like a brand new Mega Man RPG game that's coming out or and all these other assets that are being brought back. And I started going through the list and how many other classic games would we really just love to see either be remade or have something happen with them? Like Planescape Torment, a game that's heralded as one of the best RPGs of all time next to Baldur's Gate, is getting potentially a sequel, finally, after all these years. Yeah, but yes. it's not about necessarily a sequel. A lot of people would like to see that original remake but put out. that was also talked about that packaged with that sequel would be the original game. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of cool because they're, they're trying to continue on the IP but not forgetting the old one. So... Having that access to that would be absolutely amazing. Temple of Elemental Evil and Icewind Dale, um, again, D&D games, but were ones that were really well done and executed, would translate so well to a tablet-based game. I mean, with the touch interface, being able to select the combat components and everything else, just on that would be absolutely amazing. Um, Mario RPG, a game that everybody absolutely loves and has been dying for a sequel forever, I'd be happy if you just gave me an updated version of it and let me put it on my tablet, or even if it was an Xbox Live game. Uh, Chrono Cross and Chrono Trigger are, oh, two, yes. are two games that I think, I know Hoogs is with me on this one after that one, Would I would love to see be remade and brought back in, you know, with like a high-definition touch or done in like a modern console. Uh, Seventh Guest we've seen be re-released for iOS, but those adventure games like Seventh Guest and Eleventh Hour, those are perfect candidates to especially 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 for you know the tablets uh the gabriel knight series another game series that was you know really harked as one of the pinnacles of pc gaming back in its time would be phenomenal to include uh, eternal darkness thief indigo prophecy these are all games that people have sat there and said you know helped f you know form them as gamers that as they grew up these are the games that they turn to and now would be a perfect time to really start looking at these old IPs that you're starting to see, like, old versions of them going on sale on Steam that haven't been updated. But give them some TLC. Update them some. Give them a high-definition polish. Give them some new content. Even if it's, like, a paid DLC stuff or, or you know, pay-in-app stuff like the Baldur's Gate stuff is going to be. But how cool would that be? How cool would a brand-new, like, remake of Zelda, like the classic Zeldas, be? Or Metroid? I mean, those would be perfect candidates for this and with the resurgence of retro gaming happening now it's the perfect time especially compared to all the other times that they could have done this to really start investing in it because you know while we always wait for the next big thing sometimes just going back and taking some of the classics and you know giving them some love for the people around you it goes a long way Oops. well i think joe's already said some of the games that are like 
um, Chrono Trigger and uh, Planscape Tournament. Yeah. See, when I'm looking at this, I'm looking at it in terms of the tablet, of course, because I've been spoiled by that thing now, especially with the new one and having seen what it can do. So when I'm looking at the remakes, um, I'm thinking of them as good ports that can be put on the tablet. So or because, even improved. Yeah, because like a lot of the ones, yeah, I don't want a direct port onto the tablet either. Like you were saying, that's the thing. And unfortunately, like some of the games when they're they're you're looking at them being re-released. It's just basically a re-release of the same game, and they haven't done anything except make sure that it can work on Windows 7 kind of thing. Um, so those, yeah, it's nice to be able to play them and all that, but I would much rather the developers put a little bit of time and improve upon it, put something new in it so that you can actually make it worthwhile to play through again. But import it on the the tablets unfortunately with games like of course i would love zelda remakes the original stuff get, let's get those but we'll never see those on tablets unless nintendo puts out a tablet which isn't going to happen so unfortunately we'll never see those on ios but i mean in terms of other games like you're talking about planescape torment i would love to play that on my tablet i would love to play kotor on my friggin' tablet. Mm -hmm. Like, just to be able to sit down on the couch with my tablet and go through KOTOR, uh, remade, looking better, with nice controls as well to get around, which would not be that difficult. Again, we don't have to look any further than games, like I would mentioned before, Deep Trigger, which uh, shows that you can have real first-person shooter action that is quick and responsive. And, I mean, KOTOR wasn't that you didn't need hair trigger for that so if they can do it with a game like that they can sure as hell do it with a game like kotor i mean things like that are things that i would love to see on the, the tablet like i'm i'm happy that final fantasy 7 got some loving and is on the pc but to be honest i didn't buy where it. where is it on my tablet but i want it on the goddamn tablet Mm -hmm. So, and, and that's, I mean, I'm spoiled because I have that. Not everybody does, but because I do, I look at these games and I think, yeah, that's great. And yeah, it looked good. I, I watched quite a bit of feed of someone playing it when uh, the day it came out, but, uh, but I'm not going to pick it up because I've already got it on the freaking PS3 that I picked up when I bought it, when it went digital, I'm going to be able to slap that on my Vita in a few weeks when they allow it. And, uh, and so I'm not going to buy it yet again, but, but if it had been <laughs> fixed up and put on the, uh, the iPad, yep, I, I would buy it. Well, I think there might be, there might be, because at the moment I've I got myself on a phone and I've been buying a lot of apps. I've got like Final Fantasy free and it works smooth. I was checking on the their top ten, you know, top paid games. They've got Grand Theft Auto three. Three, yeah. Yeah, and they've also got um Minecraft. I can't remember what else. I mean they can they can get it's basically right they don't want to do it then they're going to lose it on a little bit of money. You know, granted all the time work to fix it on, put it on the, the iOS and that. But they could still if they still do it, get it at a reasonable price. Uh, they could make a wee mint there oh it can make quite a bit of money ios games right now are making a hell of a lot of money for developers that's something that they've said uh, unfortunately they're not making nearly as much for android but as android tablets are gaining in popularity that will change but right now for ios you can make a lot of money and yeah like you're talking about the um, gta 3 i bought it too 
I have no problems with it. Works great, and I love GTA 3. So it's been fun to play. And I've got the Final Fantasy game as well. I found that one a little bit a little bit more glitchy. I didn't like it quite as much, but uh, but it still was responsive and worked well. And I mean, Final Fantasy VII would have been different than Final Fantasy III, anyways. So I a lot of those classics when they're bringing them over, as long as it's a port that's not a direct port, but that they spend some time to get it working really well and update the graphics and everything. A lot of those retro games, I would gladly pay again to be able to play them on on the uh, the tablet. Well, and, and you got to take it a step further too, right? Look at all the the peripherals that are coming out for the tablets now too. Yeah. The the USB controllers, the you know, uh, which that's kind of a big thing right there. A lot of these games, people are saying that weren't going to work well with, you know, touch screens. Well, yeah, I can see that to some degree for certain amounts of them. Like Mega Man, Mega Man's a great game, but I the touch screens are a little weird for it. But having that access to like a Bluetooth controller like that or even a USB one, you can jack a USB controller into your iPad and have it registered just fine. I know this because I tried it. It does work. So, I mean, you're, you're reaching a point where there, there's not these excuses anymore. They can't just say it's so hard to program the touch interface and this and that and the third. It's no, you can spend some time on it. and You have options. You have alternate ways that you can do this and make this work really, really well. And and as soon as they start realizing that, I think we're going to start seeing more of it. I mean, especially if anything from Capcom, I think it's going to be a major player in that in the future. Yeah, yeah. And then once that happens too, then we will see again. It, it, it to me, I think the biggest hurdle um, for some of the games, not just retro games, but if we're looking at recent indie games as well too, is that controller. Well, we're seeing a lot of Kickstarters now for Bluetooth uh, controllers to connect to the iPad, and I mean, some of them look freaking slick as all hell and like i would love to see bastion come out for the tablet or oh god I mean, yes there's a no, lot of recent out. what's that i think that will come out I oh mean, yeah unless unless like uh super giant is like right we've got a good run with bastion to be stick with it or put our damnedest to a new ip because i mean they're a good studio we all love I like it. Maybe it's got a wee bit long in the tooth for me, but that's just me. But still, a good game. I mean, oh, long in the tooth. It's up Hell, to him. I, I'd love to see Castle Crashers come out on iOS. Dear Lord, oh. I I would pay for that again. I've already paid for it twice. I'll pay it, for it, it, it again. Is, it is coming out on the iOS. <laughs> is it really? Class, with more classes. I didn't know that. When did you hear that? Um, I caught that on Games Arcade a little bit ago. Like I think it was like two days ago. Oh. Um, I didn't send it in because yeah, I didn't think it was something that we spent yeah, too much no, time no. on. No, but, of course not. But but you know, the, it's coming to the iOS and it's going to have more purchasable uh, characters to play as than before. With I think it's a couple old. extra levels as well. Friggin' sold. I'll, I'll do it gladly. <laughs> but yeah, so I think that the biggest hurdle right now is because some uh, people are having problems with the port for the controls is just get, it doesn't have to be a standard controller, but just something that people can use so that they they know that, and, and it's a reasonable price so that more people will own those separate USB controllers kind of things. Um, the other one too, when you were talking about that too, and it's because we're going to be talking a little bit about D&D as well, but I think that having seen the success of Magic recently on the mm -hmm. tablet, I would love to see D&D done. Not, I'm not talking about the, the games. I'm talking about the tabletop playing. Mm -hmm. Some form of that in a tablet form 
that you can also play remotely with other people the same way that we've been doing the magic remotely, um, which I've been having a blast playing magic against a bunch of people online. And to have something where I could connect with Joe and some other people via our tablets, and the tablet has the common space for the dungeon that everybody uses, and then you have your own little interface for your stuff as well. That's the kind of stuff that I would also like to see. So take some of the retro D&D stuff and slap it in via that kind of stuff. That would be a blast. I don't think that's too far off either, too. And, and I'll get into that when we talk about... Well, let's talk about bit. the D&D stuff now. All right. Well, D&D is, like we were talking about, the classic tabletop RPG is one of those things that a lot of people grew up playing. Me, personally, I've been playing since my father introduced me to it when I was, like, six. Um, and it was it's always been a good time. And it's gone over all these faceless throughout the years with 3rd Edition 3.5 and then the epic failure that was 4th Edition. Well... D&D has been doing something completely different. Wizards of the Coast, the same people that make magic, um, that now own Dungeons & Dragons, are giving it the player touch. And what I mean by that is they're actually doing something that you don't see a lot of game companies in general do, and they're crowdsourcing everything. And they're looking for player input and feedback, and they're building an entire game system based around players, what they want. Now, one of the things that they were talking about at Gen Con this year, um, which happened at the exact same time as Gamescom, was the tool set that are, is available. Right now, there, there is an interesting set of tools that you can use through their website uh, for shared dungeons and character profiles and things like that so that players can interact remotely. I've watched it firsthand. I've watched uh, Renee uh, play with you know friends over the internet uh, D&D, and I've, I've seen that sort of evolve and go from there. Now, one of the things that came up was literally tablets. And I have friends that went to Gen Con, and it was one of the most commonly asked questions, when we get more tablet support, whether it's character sheets, whether it's access to the tools on that, whatever the case is. And the resounding response is, do you guys honestly want that? Everybody says yes. Okay, we'll get to work on it. So we're going to see something like that soon. There is going to be some attention paid by Wizards to the tablet. And this is a company that already knows how successful that can be, yeah. especially with Magic being so popular and being one of the top paid apps on iOS. And I think it actually came close to matching uh, Steam sales as far as like the actual game goes or the, the new uh, Planeswalker 2013. That I so, I think I remember reading that it was pretty damn close between the two. It wouldn't surprise but, me if it surpasses it. But when you start considering things like all these other like D&D clones and D&D games that are coming out there, plus all these utilities, like I use one called Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider lets me you know, take all of my game character PDFs, put them into a file, and I can actually edit them in real time. There's dice rolling programs. There's map rendering programs. There's all these other assets that are there in all these individual forms. It's not going to be that hard for them to throw it all together and say, here's one massive app. Go ahead, and, and this is what it's going to cost. Enjoy gaming with your friends. And, see, and it would be absolutely amazing. It would be easier for them to program too than an actual game because they're not working with, with sprites and with an action type of game or whatever. They're providing you instead with tools to do something. Mm -hmm. And if they, they could provide you with a form of dungeon creator as well where you can design your own, the tablet is made for that kind of stuff. Move around things, create your own kind of environment, everything for the dungeon master, and then pump it out to your friends to play online like when you're looking at it in terms of 
letting your imagination kind of run wild, what, what you can do with it, the, the, the actual coding in and of itself would not be that difficult. But in terms of the tools that you could provide to your gamer base, holy crap. And talk about suddenly flooding your, 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 your market with like a bunch of new players. So now you've got a whole bunch of new players that are suddenly going to be interested in D&D that otherwise wouldn't because that tablet market is huge. Which is a kind of a big thing, too, because that was their entire idea behind 4th edition was to try to rope in new players. Yeah. Because the old school, the old guard, we are getting older and we're starting to move away from it or die out in some cases. And But this, I think, is a much smarter investment on their part because you're using that same technology that is, at last time, my company's estimate, I think it's 70% of all households on our network have at least one tablet of some sort, which is obscene to me like it's just absolutely obscene how how much tablets have just exploded onto the scene and you're taking something that this kid is going to know and that these geeks are familiar with and you're taking the old classic dnd that they've heard all these glory stories about and melding them together and you're introducing it using something that's going to be present in a lot of homes that's kind of awesome and that's also very very smart yeah okay anything else that they were talking about uh just the ba- basic fact that they're trying to take the best of all previous versions as well, whether it was the flow of combat, character creation, customization, and form it all together, and that playtesting is continuing. Um, they're also giving... Uh, we're going to start seeing packets for the individual classes. Warlock is coming out, I think, today. Um, so that would be Monday the 20th. Um, there's going to be a Warlock 1-6 to leveling packet, but they're releasing all of the classes and races because races are going to be, like, you're going to have, like, just a flat-out dwarf or flat-out elf as a race in the classic D&D sense. Uh, We're going to start seeing those leveling packs as well to kind of get people a feel for how the leveling works in character creation. So if you're interested in that sort of thing, keep your eyes peeled and uh, pay attention because it's probably going to be available soonish. Very, very cool. Okay, let's let Hoogs talk a little bit about a game that he's actually been playing and brand new game that came out shortly ago we had talked about several times on the podcast and uh so hoogs what did you think about uh sleeping dogs yay it's my turn it's my your turn <laughs> right well basically this review that i'm going to talk about will have spoilers if i can remember it because i just dove straight into it just not really minding the characters and that just get on with it. Basically, you're if I can get the name right, Wen Shen Wen no Wen Shen. Wen Shen. Thank you, Joe. You're an undercover cop in Hong Kong, um, and you're in, but you're trying to get involved with the triad. Um, basically, you want to get. You're trying to bring it down from the inside. Now, the character that we play, as Joe said, I can't remember the name, Tipsy. Um, Just go with Wayne. Just go with Wayne. Just go. He has a history involved with him. He knows some of the characters from when he used to live in Hong Kong, but he's back here to try and bring him down just just to stop the Sung Yang. I can't remember the name. Sung Yang. Right? Yes. Yeah, that's the name, right? Well, the game is basically... <laughs> I hate to say it to you folks, it's basically like a Grand Theft Auto clone. Because everybody's going to use that. It's going to be the buzzword about the place. 
but it's actually how they present the game um, is good. Now, I love these type of games. I mean, I've got Grand Theft Auto, I've got Just Cause and Just Cause 2, and I've got uh, the All Saint games. Uh, Saint Row, I mean, sorry. I've got two of them. So I, I can see where they're taking bits and bits and pieces from each of the games, but they're presenting it in a really good, realistic way. Out of the three, out of those games that I've mentioned, this has got the most realistic uh, story to it. It's not got some. It's not got a cousin for you going. Hey, let's go and see American Tectes or anything like that. None of that push. Um, you start in a place called North Point, and you work your way slowly up the ladder. Now, with it, uh, the gameplay is good. I have got some pros and I've got some cons about it. The pros are you you are involved. You're trying to work up your way up the ladder. You're helping people. You're helping the gang you're in, and you can see the characters' um, conflicting interests. Like he is an undercover cop, but he's getting involved with the triads, so he's becoming more like them. The combat in the game now the combat is good. You'll start off with your usual like punches and kicks and that. But around the map, the map, when you first start, there's nothing stopping you from going to any other bits of the city. Not like what previous games where, oh, you can't go there because the bridge is up or whatever. You can go, you can start at North Point where you start and you can go to this place called Aberdeen. No worries, get in your car, go. That's it. But Here's the good thing. When you're doing a mission, um, you've got to watch what you're doing because you've, you're still with the cops, but you're working with the triads. So let's say I'm driving along. A car knocks into me. I go flying into a, like a little railing that takes points off my cop bar. There's like a cop and a triad bar. The cop bar is basically watch what you're doing while you're doing a, like a mission. Make sure you don't hit into a civilian because you'll lose points. Points helps you get these skills which make the game a wee bit easier. Um, the triad likes the violence. So if you, let's say you're fighting a guy, you do a good combo like kick, kick, punch or whatever, that uh, that, that comes up on the screen. Now with each of them, like I said, you get a skill. Like with, let's say with the triads, you can... Do a jump kick where uh, melee went. With the police, that might help you like do something like getting the carry. So the first one of the first skills you get is uh, on the police bar is like a little jack thing, which stop stops the alarm goes off and you don't need to damage the car. You just go up to the car, uh, slip this thing down, oh my up. Uh, the cons, now, there's a there's a few bit of cons that, to me that annoy me. Like, um, you know in Grand Theft Auto, you take a car. If you want to, like, if you like the car, and you say, that's a good one, you take it to one of the safe houses and place it, let's say in Grand Theft Auto 04, you take it to your um, car park. It's there, that's it, unless you take it away and leave it and you don't get it back. No, you've got to buy your cars. But on the flip side of that, uh, there's parking garages everywhere you can't take a car you can't let's say like I said previous with the Grand Theft oh let's put it to Sleeping Dogs you like a car oh good 
Right, I want to take that car. Well, sorry, pal. If you leave the car and go off somewhere else, you're not keeping the car. You can't take it in the parking garage because they won't let you do it. I spent about like maybe five minutes trying to ram my, this car that I found into the parking garage. It wasn't happening. <laughs> So basically, you're just you're buying whatever vehicle, but then at least you can access it whenever you want. Yeah, yeah. And this is another thing that kind of annoys me about the vehicle thing. Now, with let's say with Central Free, you get a car, you take it into a garage, you can put spoilers on it, you can put nitro, you can put these spikes that come into your wheel. No, that doesn't happen here. You get your car. And if you want to change your colour, you have to change it in your garage or the shop where you bought the car. You don't pick the colour. They have a selection. And one of the favourite cars that I'm using now, it only has three. Now, it's basically free. That's not no good to me. I like to mix my colours up with the cars. But, so, tough luck. That's what you get. The second thing, which me, which kind of does annoy me is there's not enough police stories in the game it's basically focused the majority of it is focused on the triad but maybe you do a triad quest and you might get a little bit talking to the police and that but there's not enough i think there's maybe three main ones that i can think of the top of my head yeah, but, but isn't the the whole point of it is that you you're the undercover cop in the triad, so you would think that most of the stories would be on that side, or do you mean like there's just not enough where you're seeing him when he's not being the undercover cop? It's like that. It's this bit maybe like the three that you're involved with does help. It isn't connected to the triads per se. They're connected to like um, other things outside. There's one quest where you've got to. There's been a lot of deaths doing street races, so you go to the police first and you check out some names. You then you go and do the races and you talk to people, but it's kind of outside the triad. I'd like to see more that is connected, but saying that, I can see why they didn't do it because there's one point, in in the North Point story, where they all think you're a rat because you were talking to a drug dealer and now the drug dealer is arrested because you got him arrested. Right. Yeah, so I can see where they're coming. So, but I feel like I need, at the present moment, I need to see more conflict in the game to see him. I don't know how far I am near the end. I think I'm pretty near. But I need to see the more conflict in the like the He's a caught undercover cop, but he's getting attached to these people because this is where he came from. He knows some of the underlings and all that. I want to see more conflict. Okay, let me ask you this: when you're you, when you're playing the game, like everything you're describing about it, everything that I've read too, it's using a lot of cliches that we've seen over and over and over again about undercover cop stories. Does it feel that way when you're playing it? That it's okay. I know what's going to happen because I've seen this over and over again. Or is it at least feeling fresh and new? Well, with me, I've. I kind of like my Hong Kong films, you know the, you know like the, the John Woo films, you yeah, know, yeah. come to mind, yeah. Ha- yeah, yeah. Uh, hard boiled, 
and also another one. Uh, it's not a John Woo, John Woo film, but Infernal Affairs. You right. can see it there. You know, the undercover cop. He's losing his identity. You know, and he's actually to the point where I'm. I was first when I played it. I said, I hope the gay is a choice where do I choose to remain true to the badge or do I uphold the triad? The triads. The triads a belief, you know, brotherhood, blood, and all that stuff. And the way it's going, I think it's going where, like, you're staying with the triads. You're going to be... You're switching over to them. You're seeing the honour and stuff like that. And it's just going to be like that. I hope they don't, because I really want a choice. I want a choice to say, like, right, I'll stay with the cops... Or um, stay with the triads. A fucking better choice. Sorry. Okay. All right. But as you're playing it right now, though, you are still enjoying it. You're sucked right in. Um. Yeah, for the moment. But I think now, because I've I've been on it since maybe Wednesday afternoon. I've been playing it since then. It's only game that and a certain other game we won't choose. We won't talk about because <laughs> I might go on a fucking rant about that. But. <laughs> It begins with E and it ends with EA. You bunch of pricks. Anyway. <laughs> but it's that basically I've been spending a lot playing that and also a Prototype 2 as well. Right. I know, I'm a sucker. But it just feels like I'm at the point now it's like, right, I've got to do the triad missions. But I can also go and find, there's a, like, there's a lot of, as usual, hidden items. But games like this, you get hidden items, side quests, and that to do. And the side quests, some are fresh and original, the others just keep repeating. Like, let's say, like the day I was playing on one bit and I was checking out a guy's bike because it wasn't working somehow. Next thing I know, I see a guy, an NPC running behind me, smack me in the head, <laughs> take some of my money. Now, I've got to chase him and get him. Now, I know it's how it's going to end because. I've done two previous before. It's basically you chase him, you do like, uh, like jumping over items and that in the correct time, which is a good feature if you're doing a mission, especially like a main mission. Is like there's a point where you've got to let's say I'm going to jump over a fence. Now if I hit it right, I'll get over there smoothly and keep on running. If I don't, I might bind the character's knee off the, the railing, flip over or something like that. Now, I know how it's going to end, like I said. I'm going to run to a certain point, and there'll be guys waiting for me. Then I have to fight the guys. And then get the thief. Then take my money. That's basically, except in the last one I think I've done, is the guy jumped over a, a railing. The jump was too big for him. He broke his leg. So I just smacked him in the head and <laughs> took my money back. <laughs> So it's basically dailies is all that is. Yeah, but I think it's not like, in the sense, like, there are all the side quests, but I've also forgot there's also hidden quests that happen now and again, which are not on the map at all. Like, for some, I was driving around one of the big, like, the big main kind of business uptight, and I see a little uh, yellow shield. Now, this is like a random event. Right. And there's like a doctor locked into a back of a car in the boot. And you just free him, he goes away and you get your money and that's it. Mm. Which is uh, decent. It helps you like 
odd things like that. But like I said before, and I'm ranting now because I've had a few drinks, so this is going to be good. Like, you get some quests, side quests that are unique. They're not the same. Then you'll get a few of those like, oh, stop the thief. Oh, take this guy. He can't drive a car, so but he wants you to help him get away. Um, which is part of the queue, part of your crew from the North Point. It's just stuff like that. It's a decent game, but there's not a point for me where it's like this breaks the mold. Right. Do you think it's because it was pretty much a, a game that was already done and then abandoned and then picked up again, or do you think it's just the nature of the game that makes it like that? It's the nature of the game because it's like a closed sandbox. You know, you can. I'm always going to go back to Grand Theft Auto because for me, Grand Theft Auto 3 like, changed the world of the game and you got the 3D world where you do quests and that. And when Grand, you know, when that, that happened, you know, it brought in the famous actors to do the voiceover. So, I mean, I've seen a lot of that before. I've seen it be like, I wouldn't say it's the biggest map I've had. I gave that to like Just Cause 2 because that map is Oh, huge. that map was freaking huge. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, literally, you had to get a fucking carrier to take you places. It's not the biggest. And it's and it does has a good, good story, but it's a story that I've already seen. I've seen it in movies many times. And to me, you know... I like it, but I'm not going to go, oh, this is like the best game of the year. No, that's going to probably wait for Dishonor when it comes out. Okay, so this is basically a renter, not necessarily a buyer. Um, Yeah, renter. Aye. Yeah. Okay. All right. With that, we're actually going to call it a wrap. The feature at the end of this, so you are going to want to make sure to keep listening, is going to be from Joe, the second part of his City of Heroes feature, talking about... We're going to be talking about me starting to take on the third... Or, I'm sorry, fourth Reich. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So, Hoogs, thank you very much for popping by. I nice am really glad Pleasure. you came by. Yeah, no, that was great. Uh, of course, if you want to check out the show notes, they are at For the Lore. You can find us on Twitter at For the Lore or email forthelore.gmail.com. And with that, we'll see you guys next week on Monday. It has been four weeks since I've reinstalled City of Heroes and been going on an adventure back in a land that I've spent a lot of time many, many years ago. It's hard to believe that before that time, it had been nearly 3,000 days since I had logged in. The questing is still very, very good. If anything, over the years, I've learned that it's gotten better. Storylines now intersect in a way that makes sense, not just for the one arc that you're on, but for the other arcs as well. One of the biggest complaints that most people had about City of Heroes many years ago was that when you would pick up three or four different quests, they would be for three or four different story arcs that were just non-congruous. They'd have no overlap. Either you were in completely different zones on other sides of the map, or they were in the same zone, but for completely different purposes. It seems that they've taken notice of this and have sort of made it so that when you're on a major arc, the minor arcs or the individual arcs around it all sort of kind of complement each other. I've since completed 
my flesh crafters quest and have downed that mini boss and have moved on now I'm going after the fourth Reich always been an interesting faction ones that were based very obviously on Nazis of course with the third Reich reference there but they're interesting because they have different genetic modifications like vampires and werewolves as well as high technology so there's this weird mix of fantasy and sci-fi with this faction that you have to face the questing always starts out with little tiny pockets of you know we've discovered their actions here go find out what they're doing to interrogating them which I thought was a very interesting touch and new having to break uh, essentially neo-Nazis and, and force them to reveal their secrets was always very interesting to invading their bases starting at a smaller scale warehouses and moving on to much more secure facilities it's pretty cool and has an almost cinematic feel about it where you could very easily see your character doing this in a comic book or a movie which is important especially considering that this is essentially a comic book video game. The interplay between the character and the NPCs, the give and take, the dialogue, is fantastic as well. Well, more from the NPCs since the characters don't say much. And it's all done through chat bubbles, which I thought was an absolutely phenomenal touch way back when, and still is very cool now. While it doesn't make sense in some games to have chat bubbles aside from a mechanic standpoint, it makes perfect sense in a game about superheroes. Because comic books, it's all about those chat bubbles. Different sizes, different shapes. The experience so far is something that I can honestly say is not something that I expected to really be enjoying as much as I have been lately. The world is still as immersive as it was, forming a supergroup, which is their version of a guild is still very much fun and people are still that type of nerdy geeky comic bookish type of nerd that everybody gets together and they just really have fun i mean i say this a lot but it is just fun and that's really the important thing it's this wonderful light-hearted experience it doesn't have the seriousness or or the gravity that other games have one important distinction is it doesn't feel as heavy as World of Warcraft does, where there's such an emphasis on people on raiding or, you know, getting the best gear. Here, you get enhancements. You don't get gear. You have superpowers. That's pretty much all it is. The most important thing your character can get is new costume items. That in and of itself just adds a, a sort of levity that's, I think, attractive to a lot of heavy MMO players now. I just continue to be impressed with a game so old still being so fun. Again, it is free to play, and if you have the time, I still highly recommend at least giving it a shot. Download it, make an account, go ahead. Just give it a try. You have nothing to lose, except for maybe the time that you'd spent downloading it. It's actually a fairly quick install as well, so shouldn't be that much time wasted, but give it a try if you enjoy superheroes even a little bit. <laughs>